Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Orange and Brew, the podcast where we've married our two favorite paths. Time is the Denver Broncos and beer. I am JT Matthews, and you can find me at JTMatthews01 on Twitter. And I am joined by the doctor, Nicholas Manning, at DR underscore in Manning on Twitter. And of course, joined also by co host and super producer, John Cronenberg. That's at John K NFL. That's J O N K A Y NFL on Twitter. And of course, you can follow us at orange underscore and underscore brew on Instagram and Twitter as well. Ooh, I got to take a breath after that one. I had to let it all out. Um, I was going to ask you all about how your days are going and stuff like that, but uh, football was played last night, and we got to react. <laughs> I was going to ask you, you, but I don't care. I love you guys. <laughs> but we, we got a lot to cover and not a, we do. a whole lot of time. Not a whole so, lot. Hard H. Hard H there. Whole lot. Whole lot. Um, so let's just jump into it, Broncos. Played on Monday Night Football in Seattle against the Seattle Seahawks and were downed. They lost 16 to 17 final, uh, lost on a long, 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 long field goal attempt that uh, was missed by our very own Brandon McManus. I want to get first just your overall reactions to the game. I don't want you to get too granular in your breakdown. When uh, that kick was missed and um, and the Broncos ended up with the L. What was the first reaction? For me, the first reaction was pretty simple. Uh, There's 16 more games left. This is week one, Uh, and and I felt like this team was working out some of the, you know, the issues that always happen uh, with every team usually, and um, for me, again, this is just not a time to overreact. I understand Seattle is a game you should win, but you're going to win a game. You're, you're going to lose some of those games and you're going to win some of the games you shouldn't. So for me, this isn't an overreaction kind of, uh, I guess, Tuesday. It's more of a let's get back to work and, uh, you know, finish these, put out these wrinkles and make everything nice and smooth. But 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 was that your first reaction? Or was yeah. That your, like. Like no, that was my later. my initial reaction was that because, uh, again, I, I saw the Broncos have a lot of opportunities to score and uh, they could have definitely easily won this game. They, they shot themselves in the foot. And I think a team that shoots themselves in the foot early in the season, uh, again, I'm not going to, you know, berate them and say, you, you know, you need to get better and, and do all this right away. I think it's a process that takes 17 weeks. You're a good fan, John. You're a good fan because I cannot say that I reacted the same way. Though I will say I don't think I was as doom and gloom as some of the other people. I I was angry. I was frustrated. You know, this is a game on your schedule that you're supposed to win. This is a game. Uh, I think, you know, the narrative you want for Russ to go into Seattle and beat his former team uh, and his former coach that, 
let's just let's be honest. He threw some fuel on the fire before the game this week. Um, I don't know if he was trying to fire up his guys, fire up himself, or just play some mind games. But uh, you know, I, I think we wanted Russ to go out and make a statement, and not that I don't think he did, but he didn't win. And at the end of the game, the game, I was just I was disappointed. I felt like we missed a lot of opportunities, which we had talked last week about growing pains and the, how they were inevitable. And I think that that's true. And I think I was able to internalize that a little bit, but I was still after the game, after we missed the kick and the whole clock management situation that we'll get into, I was just, I don't know. I, my, my hopes were dashed and I was, I was in a little bit of a funk for a while. I won't lie. Yeah. Uh, again, I think one of the things for me was when I looked at the stat line, uh, I saw, you know, a good amount of passing yards for Russell Wilson. Just a matter of when he gets those timing routes down, just imagine how dangerous he'll be when he's not scrambling around, uh, when he feels comfortable in the pocket and is able to step up and do his thing. Just imagine how effective he will be. And I think that's one thing I took away as well is when this team starts to develop in that path, uh, there's go- this is going to be dangerous, the team. So uh, I saw tons of mistakes throughout the entire game. And, and in my mind, since I saw those as fixable mistakes that can be done within a week or two, uh, you know, just with strong mental fortitude, that's why I'm so positive and, and not so much in that doom and gloom. But I agree with you. After the game, you're like, come on. We've been, you know, we've been told all these amazing things. We, we've seen Russell Wilson. He comes out of the the Broncos kind of locker room practicing high fives and doing yeah. <laughs> different things like that. You're, you're expecting something huge when he's, he's kind of prepping himself to be this bigger than life character. Uh, and some of the times he's done in his practices and the way he speaks, uh, those mannerisms make it a little bit more difficult and a little harder to swallow for certain Broncos fans, at least in my perspective. For sure. Doc, what was your reaction after the game? Um, I, the instant pit drop in the stomach was my initial one. Mm-hmm. Um, that one was rough. It's just, it was one we wanted, you know. I mean, for all of the stories, it's the first game, the excitement leading up to it. It was, uh, it was a gut punch. I've been able to recover since then, but it definitely right. was a, uh, it was a rough moment. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think we all had hope, um, even to the end, even to the end, even if we didn't feel like they deserved to be in that game necessarily. They they were and they had a shot. Um, so they'll have to they'll have to take that and grow on it. But let's uh let's start with the first half. Uh first half was rough. First half did not get off to a great start. Defense looked a step slow, missing some tackles. Um, Seattle comes out and scores right away. Uh Broncos were able to counter with with a field goal, Um, but they just didn't look sharp. You know, they didn't look as sharp as you had hoped. Uh, And I want to ask you guys, do you think any of that has to do with not taking any preseason snaps? But John, what do you think? For me, um, I'm not sure 100%. No, I I can't say 100% without a doubt. It's not because of preseason snaps. But I do know it with some preseason snaps, uh, you're able to get some of those first jitters out and, and, you know, kind of let loose and play, have some fun, not hitting your guys. 
Um, so, so for me, it's not something I can say 100% without a, a, without a doubt, but at the same time, I would have liked to see a little bit in the preseason. Obviously, it's difficult with only three preseason games. Um, you got to, you know, you know, you have to look at your young talent and, of course, the worry of getting your pl- big players hurt. Um, so I understand why the Broncos did not use players in the preseason. At the same time, I don't think a couple of drives would have hurt this team, especially when it comes to the tackling department. Right, right. Doc, you agree or disagree? The question is like, well, how many snaps? Like, what's sure. the what's the magic number? I think a lot of it is the with the CBA you don't tackle in practice either. So would 12 snaps in a preseason game, maybe you get one or two opportunities to tackle someone in those snaps. Yeah. You know, and then also, you know, Alex Singleton isn't your starting linebacker. So how much run is he going to get? I mean, and he got plenty of run, right? And then Jonas Griffith got hurt on the second play of preseason. So it's not like those guys didn't jot out there. I expect Kareem Jackson and, and, you know, they have a veteran group. at least on the defensive side of the ball. I think the area that it could have improved is the busted coverage, right? That went for the touchdown. I think that that was really the one play, which that should have been a sack. Kudos to, yeah. to Gino to make a good play. The area that I do think that th- there are two areas, I think that really could have benefited the team. And the hard part about that is, is it's all situational is right. your goal line and your two minute. Um, and, and those are the areas that they practice the most in practice. So we were talking about it before we recorded. I don't know if that would have mattered because Seattle's loud. And, yeah. you know, a preseason game, you know, in September in Buffalo, you know, is that really going to provide you with that? Maybe you don't even get an opportunity at the end of half to, to run that. You're not going to have your guys out there in the fourth quarter. So, again, the situational stuff I think would have mattered. Uh, in the end, you, it's the it's the old adage, right? Like you're paid to be prof- professionals. A lot of those guys have been tackling for a really long time. You know, the expectation is you got to make a play. You get you get paid. So yeah. I I don't know. I don't know how that goes. Could they? You know, if practices could have changed up, I think there's a whole could have should us. If you look at the game, I actually think what they did on offense was tremendous. I liked the flow. I liked the play calling. It was yeah. exciting to watch. You know, guys get schemed open. Um, the run game looked, I mean, it looked at will almost, right, until really the the goal line. And I think that that right. was a lot of the miscommunications and things like that that we'll probably talk about um, we kind of break down the second half. Because I think that that's the variable that you couldn't have planned for. If that game were at mile high or whatever we call it now, <laughs> the, the, the Broncos win 34 to 10. You know, right. I, and that right. to me is my opinion. And I don't think I'd back off of that one because I, in real, in, in all reality, um, they should have. So I think Seattle had a good scheme coming up. I think that they, um, their script was really, was really good. Uh, and I think that you, you tip your cap a little bit. Those guys did a, a pretty good job. Gino made a, a play when he should have been sacked. Outside of that, you know, I think overall the, the team played pretty well. Uh, in the first half, I think there was a lot of really good things to take that we just hadn't seen in Denver in a long time, specifically offensively. I think that those were some that was pre- that was the most exciting football I've seen since yeah uh, since they since like the Houston game two years three years ago. You know, I, I mean, it's been a long time. 
been a long time since some really exciting, clean. Yeah, that was COVID. I mean, that was the year when where no fans were in the stands, I believe. Right? Or was that the year before? The year before. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's been a minute, that's for sure. It's been a minute. And even that, that was like the first half and a quarter. You know, Drew had that one really good game against Carolina, but they didn't run really well. It wasn't like a they just played a bad team a little bit. So it's kind of the yeah. first time that schematically the flow of the offense, I mean, all of that was just, that was pretty exciting stuff. So, um, but you know what? They didn't produce enough points. I just wonder, like, I think <clears throat> I know for a fact, okay, I don't, I won't say for, for a fact because someone will correct me, but <laughs> I, I'm pretty certain that the Bengals were another team that didn't play any of their starters in preseason. And we saw how they came out and played on Sunday. And it just makes me wonder if it, if it's a trend or if they're just both kind of anomalies, you know. I think that chemistry is important. You know, I, I think especially with the new quarterback, um, which I guess really didn't seem to be the issue, right? The issue wasn't so much Russ and uh, and building chemistry with his receivers, though it did take him a while to kind of get into a groove to find receivers. I think in the first half there were very few – uh, passes act to actual receivers uh, outside of Jerry Judy's touchdown. Um, so I think, you know, I, I don't want to overstate the importance of preseason uh, snaps for, for starters, but I do think that maybe it was a contributing factor. Um, we'll get away from that a little bit. Um, talk to me about kind of your first feel about seeing Russ in the first half. What did you like? What did you not like? I think this was our first, chance to kind of see him in action, get him under center, uh, and maybe kind of the offense that was being run. Uh, Doc, why don't you start with that? Well, this is where I like, this is the exciting part about it. So get o- getting over the loss and the dramatic nature of it and some of the stuff we'll talk about later, I assume. It was like hand me glove. You know, it was probably one of the first times to have watched Russ with like the intent of really appreciating him as the quarterback of the team that I'm, rooting for right right usually it's uh you know it's the marquee matchup it's late game sunday night monday night all that stuff where they play the broncos those kind of things so i'm not necessarily watching it with a desire to appreciate his play i thought the thing that he brought was a a perfect match of the skill set his ability to be able to to get out on the boot what i really liked about russ is he never seems panicked right the the even when the rush comes there, there isn't, you know, there, there isn't a sense of, or a lack of control. And that to me is, is something we haven't seen really since 18, right. Where it's uh, you really kind of understand what's going on around you. You know, you know, who's where and what, and you know how to maneuver within the pocket outside of the pocket, et cetera. To, to make some plays, some of the throws that he was able to make, there's the um, the boot keep out back, right? So he's, he boots to his left, throws to Sauber. I'm not sure which, that's first half, second half. But just, like, just easy, you know, and hits him right in the hands, the only spot that he can get it. He just looks calm doing it. There was no rush in that. And it's just, wow, you know, like, he, that dude still got it. And so for anyone that, that was saying that Russ isn't, isn't that guy? I think with the marriage with this offense, the the way that they were able to call the the plays, 
he seems to be a, a perfect match for what the Broncos want to do. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, John, what's your feeling on the, the offense and specifically with Russ in the first half? Well, I guess that over the course of the game, I mean, the first half is one thing, but over the course of the game, I think we can we can kind of dive into that a little bit. Yeah, I think I'm going to dive in, though, to the first half. I, I think sure. specifically for me, um, I know this is going to be different. Russell Wilson did not look comfortable to me. Um, okay. I, I saw the tackles. Obviously, you know, I think they got away with a few extra holding calls here and there. Got got some guys' necks wrapped around. Wrapped around. Fleming had some issues. You know, even Bowles did. Uh, the interior offensive line kind of gave him some room to step up, but it felt like he uh, was going more. Uh, he would then try to find a lane, scramble a little bit outside. Um, so for me, he just didn't look too comfortable and then trusting in his offensive line initially. However, again, I'm a little bit unused to uh, Russell Wilson. Maybe he's doing that to find those passing lanes like he, like we've uh, talked about before. You know, he's able to find those lanes because he's a little bit shorter. Um, so maybe that was on purpose. He knew he was going to the left side, going to the right side. So he was just kind of scrambling, going with the play. And it makes defenders move, of course. Um, so for me... Um, you know, it's a, it's a question of is that Russell Wilson's play style or is, is he a little bit uncomfortable in the pocket passing the ball? Uh, so that's something that I want to see throughout uh, this season, what, how that's going to develop. But in the second half, he did seem to stay a little bit more firm in the pocket, delivering some passes. Uh, and and again, we saw a lot of the time on uh, Sutton kind of finding some soft zone areas for yeah. uh, for Wilson, which was nice. Um, so it it felt like when things weren't going according to plan, at least Wilson was able to you know play some of that backyard ball that we're accustomed to. Um, so I, I I did really like what I saw from him. Uh, I think you know with time he's just going to continue to get better, develop a relationship with these wide receivers, develop uh, and understand how to use the offensive line, how to maneuver around them to get those lanes so he can see and throw the ball, not have a tip ball by you know Shelby Harris for example or something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, so so that's why I saw from Russell Wilson early on, but again he had 300 yards passing. Let's let's not you know say this guy you know it's very hard to to nitpick someone who hits that milestone of 300 yards i mean that's that is the standard that is considered uh, you know above average he wasn't taking so many you know uh passing plays where he should be hitting that no matter what he wasn't throwing the ball 50 times so uh he was very efficient at the same time so it's it's kind of one of those things where i at one hand i i was disappointed at the other hand wow that was impressive yeah i um I was surprised they came out under center so often. I think like for the first 
I don't even know, seven or eight plays, Russ was under center. Um, and they didn't they didn't put him in shotgun for for quite a while. Um, I think it was I, I love the diversity of the play calling. I love that. It doesn't feel stagnant already, you know, even even in a loss, you know, it felt like a good mix of run pass. It felt like they wanted to uh, try and get as many people involved as they could. I mean, I think they had designed plays for Andrew Beck, like the first two or three plays of the game. Uh, so that was interesting to kind of see him come out with those. Uh, and I think it took Russ a little bit to get comfortable. I kind of agree with you, John. I don't know that he ever looked panicked, so I would agree with Nick on on that take. I think it was more play to play, but which is nice because I think you're used to a quarterback if they maybe they get rattled early, especially a young guy. You can kind of see that internal clock speed up. Um, you don't see that from Russ. You don't see that from us. He may not have looked comfortable um, from play to play necessarily, but you didn't see that clock speed up. Um, which we'll, we'll we'll get to that a little bit too. Maybe maybe we should have seen a little more urgency at time, especially with the the play calling in the in the uh, huddle. But uh, I was I was overall I walked away feeling good about Russ's performance. Um, and feeling like, yeah, I mean, there's, there's room to grow. We knew, and like I said, with Doc, we knew they were going to be, uh, last week, we knew they were going to be growing pains. You know, this is, this is part of what's going to happen with this team. We've got to see them kind of go through the progressions and, and grow as a unit. Uh, and, uh, I think that they're, they're capable of doing it. So I'm taking a glass half full on this, which is uh rare for me. My my rebuttal is I think we have to get used to his playing style. Sure. He's not always he's not gonna be the the guy that always throws it on the hitch. So it, right, he's not gonna be the guy that looks for the dump down. Yeah. So you know, he he averaged eight point one per attempt. I think it's close to like eleven and a half per completion. So every completion he's throwing is first down essentially. That wasn't what we've experienced. So no. Some of it is like uh, his desire to kind of keep plays alive and make the throws will lend us a little bit on, I think, just his play style, which, which is definitely a significant change, even from, from when Peyton was here, right? That's not how Peyton played. It's not how Brock played. It's not really how any quarterback that's been here since maybe Jake Right. Where there's a guy that wants to keep a play open will scramble around. You know, before that, it's Elway. Right. Like you're starting to run into it's been a while. It's been a while since we've had a guy that plays like that. That part was exciting. I really liked the the schematic focus on getting Albert O and Andrew Beck involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Because that was the knock. Right. He doesn't throw to his tight ends. And. And I think probably the way that Seattle schemed it up early because they played those the two high shell pretty early was mm-hmm. to not let those guys beat him deep. And then, you know, he was able to to make the throws to uh, to those two guys specifically, which then I think started opening up the, the game for Jerry and for Cortland later. So that part was exciting just because it was, you know, some of the schemed throws I thought were, you know, getting Andrew back out a, a few times pretty early. No one saw that coming, right? And it was like, it was just, it was cool and creative, uh, which was new. I really liked how, I'll kind of switch it on you, just how the run game yeah. was schemed. I, I thought that there was a lot of different nuance in how they ran 
the ball, whether it was toss sweeps, whether it was the stretch, or there's a, you know, a, a quick inside zone. I thought that they changed it up. I don't recall a lot of plays that were really, you know, that really looked ugly outside of, outside of, outside of, uh, of the, of when they got in the goal line situations. And I think that that'll, that'll be the piece that they really, you know, there are some areas that they need to address to clean it up to win, which is kind of nice when you can pinpoint, if we do these couple things better team, you know, like we're a scary team and we're going to put up 35. That part I think is exciting because at least, you know, exactly what you need to work on instead of like, we just got our tail kicked in and, uh, and we, we got to fix all of it. That wasn't the case. And so I really liked that. I thought, um, I would have liked Javante to get more opportunities. The fact that he had seven carries and he looked as good as he did touching the ball uh, as often as he did. That part was frustrating. Um, how they how they had the mix. It's not like Melvin didn't have a successful day, averaging almost five a carry. So, um, but that part I think I would have had a, a little bit reversed if I were to to give those things. But offensively, you know, four hundred and four hundred and. 43 yards of of offense had the ball for 30 something minutes you know the the time of possession was significantly in their favor essentially you don't put the ball on the turf you know even don't do it one time don't do it one time the game is significantly different so at, at least from the x and o's portions of it offensively there's a lot to really like, and I'm really excited about it moving forward. And I think if this is them not gelled with no real run, imagine what they're going to look like at week four, week five, week six. Yeah. yeah. You know, and some of the teams that they're going to play that we're all really worried about didn't look that phenomenal, you know, in week one. So if we're going to overreact about the Broncos, we should overreact about the Rams. We should overreact about the Bengals, yeah. about the 49ers who were on the, you know, on the docket. Whoa. I mean, you start getting into a whole bunch of teams, right? Um, Indy, Tennessee. I mean, I keep going. Arizona, who um, they didn't do anything well. Green Bay. Uh, you know, Vegas, they were still in the game. The Chargers played really well offensively, had a bunch of turnovers, still couldn't put away Vegas. Vegas didn't look that clean. I mean, there's just – I mean, there's a lot, I think, that you can take from this if you want to. Um, you know, the Jets looked – bad at football um you know baltimore threw the ball pretty well couldn't run real well which is pretty interesting so to me there's a lot so if we want to overreact i think that the the season is still open and offensively there's a lot to really like i'm really excited about where they're at yeah i totally agree with that let's uh let's take a short break here let's hit some of your time and then we're going to come back on the other side and finish breaking down the game for you uh so stick with us and we will be right back We're back, and it's time to drink some beer. It's beer time. Let's go. You know, this is a good time to have a, from have beer time. Following a loss, I mean, really, any time is a good time to have beer time if we're being real. But you know, we've got some of those Monday night letdown woes. That's true. Nothing better to take the edge off than uh, a cold brewski. What uh, what you rocking today, Doc? 
Yeah. So I got from Avery Brewing Company out in Boulder. Mm, up, yeah, in, up in Boulder. Yeah. So we've, we've highlighted them before. Pretty excited about it. I got the Electric Sunshine. Oh. Yeah. It's a fruited tart ale. 5.1 ABV. So it's ale with papaya, pineapple, kiwi, and huckleberry. Huckleberry. Ooh, like I'll, be, I'll be your huckleberry. So bright notes of papaya, pineapple, kiwi, huckleberry deliver a satisfying zap to your taste buds. Enjoy a little taste of sunshine. It's electric. So let's go. Boogie, boogie, boogie. Mm, thank you. <laughs> so I'm pretty excited. Pretty clean can. I like, I like Avery Brewing. I think they do some pretty good stuff there. So again, not usually my bag, the fruited tart ale. Not necessarily something I go so trying to, you know, continue continue to push outside the comfort zone. But like you said, I'm pretty down to smash right now this beer because even though I'm optimistic about the Broncos season and what I saw offensively, um, it still hurts a little bit. Let's not lie. Let's not lie. Yeah, yeah I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, I have got a Sam Adams Black Lager. Oh. I'm uh, interested in this one. We'll see how this goes. It's uh, It says a dark lager. Actually, what's it say? My thing's ripped a little bit. Something I can't read that. Anyway, a dark lager with hints of cocoa. Uh, it's only 4.9. I expected it to be a little higher ABV. Um, and 19 IBUs, which makes sense. Lagers are usually not too high in IBUs. Um, but I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried. You know, it's probably going to be heavy. I'm guessing it's going to be heavy. Sometimes with the cocoa or the um, <laughs> John says he doesn't think I'm going to like it, which is possible. Uh, sometimes with the cocoa or the vanilla, it can be a little syrupy. I'm hoping it's not too syrupy. This one's been in the fridge for a minute, too. So I'm worried that maybe it's uh, aged. Maybe maybe not well. We'll see, though. Um, but I wanted to give this one a shot. Something different. I've been doing a lot of a light summery uh, beers lately, and we're getting into fall and winter. So let's hit some of those fall and winter beers. That's mm-hmm. what I uh, I've got a bottle this time, so the, the crack is going to be on you. That sounds weird when I say it that way, but uh, it is what it is. You ready to pop these babies open? Yeah, boy. All right. I've got my, my can opener because I don't have a real bottle opener. You ready? Yep. Three. Two, one. No, it didn't come up. Okay. Oh, no. Party foul already. Oh, no, what's going on here? I've got a, I've got an overflowing cup. My cup overflowing. All right. You ready? Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Huh. We're both uh, got some interesting faces going on. Hmm. You starting or you want me to start? Go for it. Uh, okay. uh, not loving it. John, John was right. John was right. You know, I think like, I don't know. I haven't had many dark log, like black loggers or dark loggers. So I don't know if this is part of the course or not. However, if I'm going to get Something that's got like those chocolate or coffee notes. I kind of want a stouter reporter because they're just smoother. They are a little more full bodied. And I think they're just, they're just more well designed beer to kind of carry that flavor profile. So the lager, like I'm not a big lager person in general. 
then it's just kind of a weird like take on the lager, I think. And to be honest, I've never been a big Sam Adams guy. So I was trying to give him some benefit of the doubt, trying to give him a little bit of love. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, it's not a Colorado beer, so I'm going to grade them harshly. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Yeah, How are you feeling you know, over there? I think that's fair. I. Again, I'm going to grade this on uh, scale. Uh, so unlike last week, so not a lot of aroma. I can't really smell it that well. Maybe it's because it's out of a can and not uh, from a glass, maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe. a glass. Maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the it's not too tart, but it's enough. So at least it delivers. So if you're looking for... Uh, you know, fruit beer with a little bit of a tart kick. It's, uh, I think it's kind of right up your alley. I don't know that I'm really digging it just for my own, my own personal preference. So I don't know if it's one I'd go buy a six pack of. It's kind of how I grade it a little bit. Would I buy yeah. a six pack? I don't think I'd buy a six pack, but I'm going to finish it. So, I mean, that's good. I don't know if I'm going to finish one. Yeah. That's, and, and that's no, bad. No, like, no. that's not good because, you know, buy a beer and you want to enjoy it and you want, yep. to, you want to crush it you know yep. this one's it's just not going to happen not going to happen yeah i think uh so i'm going to give i'm going to give it a, a small dub because i think it delivers and it's good it's not you know it's not a um it's, it's like not a, a bad beer it's so, a seattle over denver 1.1 1. 1. <laughs> okay. you didn't like that sorry it's funny because i'm like i'm on it i'm like trying to be all positive and stuff today <laughs> And you had to um, do that to me currently. I had to ran on, ran on yep. the parade. Hey, man, you know what? Good for Gino. You know, they try to write him off, but he didn't write back. That was a dope quote, though. Not gonna lie. Well, I like that. That's good. That was, that was good. That was Gino. That's what I said. Like, all right, Gino, you go. This is going to be your career highlight. Uh, enjoy it. Bye. Enjoy it. <laughs> Breathe it in. Breathe it in. Just walk. But, you know, I'll give it a small dub. It delivers. It says it is exactly on the can. It's flavorful enough, but not too much. Uh, and pretty easy to drink, so small dub. All right, I'm gonna give uh, Sir Samuel Adams a big a big L, and I, I don't know if I've ever given a big L on the show. I give L's. No. I don't know if I've ever given like a blowout. No, L. I don't know that we've given out too many big L's because I mean, like, really, you know, it's like pizza. Like, you really gotta yeah. mess it up for it to like you gotta mess it up. Even know. like Totino's gets like a five for sure. I still know, smash a Totino's pizza. pizza. Yeah, a full bag sure. bad boy. Eat it like a, you know, a little Italian <laughs> taco, <laughs> like a, a taco, taco or a hoagie. Yeah, uh, but this this just ain't doing it. It's just not doing it. And I, I don't feel bad because it's not it's not a Colorado beer. It, they don't need my money or my my patronage. They're they're gonna be just fine without me. So uh, we'll not be expecting any Sam Adams sponsorships at this point in time. Um, all right, good beer time. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to finish Broncos v. Seattle on the other side. Stick with us and we'll be right back. 
And we're back for the last time on this spot. Not the last time ever. <laughs> Let me clarify. There's lots of games left. You can't get rid of us that easily. That's uh, right. Ask our wives. <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay. Let's jump back into Broncos. <laughs> Seattle. The loss. The stunning loss. I think it was stunning. I expected a win. But uh, second half. Let's talk second half. Let's talk productivity let's talk defense because we, we we talked a lot about the offense let's talk about the defense i think the defense well nick knows i i, I shot him an angry text last night yeah you did how how, how terrible our defense was <laughs> yeah you no pressure our secondary yeah, looks did. like garbage uh and i don't think i was wrong like really like i don't think i was wrong in the first half however in the second half saw a lot more positives bradley chubb Got loose a few times, created some havoc. Um, the run game, uh, I mean, I think we had more good done by the holding penalties from Seattle than we did from our actual um, run scheme and linebackers. But I think for the most part, they did what they were supposed to do in the second half. They kept the team in it. They gave them every opportunity to win this game. And so at the end of the day, I can't be too mad about it. Um John, how are you feeling about the overall play of the defense versus Seattle? Yeah, when it comes to the defense, I thought, uh, you know, in terms of the first half, I agree with you. They weren't they weren't on par in terms of bringing pressure, especially with such a, a young line. You have two rookie uh, starting uh, left tackle and a right tackle in Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas, guys I, I liked, but you have to attack them and be able to beat them as, uh, you know, as a – as a top premier pass rusher in Chubb, and as well as you know, Browning was on Lucas quite a bit. Uh, it was a little bit of Gregory as well, but it really was a lot of Browning. I saw um, a little bit more. You got to be able to make those plays, beat those guys. Uh, same with the the center being a little bit younger, uh, Blythe, and I think they had a new left guard. So. Um, yeah. Really felt like you should have been able to attack that offensive line and got some natural pass rush instead of having to send people, which is one of those key things for for any defense. Uh, coverage was was pretty sound. I mean, you, you have to admit the coverage unit did did a great job uh, throughout the game. Um, but when it came to that, some of those runs early on, Rashad Penny was getting some big carries that were really shouldn't have happened. Uh, you know, especially when you bring in DJ Jones, that's his whole purpose is to bring the the defensive stop ability. Um, and and when it came to the passing game, those interior linemen weren't getting push either. So it was very easy for Gino to step up in the pocket, still feel comfortable. Uh, and again, those, most of the guys on the interior offensive uh, defensive line, pardon me aren't really great pass rushers either. So that's one of the reasons you, I, at least I saw that happening. Um, yeah. So it gave him a little bit more time. Um, other than that, though, second half, things got cleaned up, started to stop the run a little bit more, not giving Rashad Penny those huge carries. Uh, but as you said, there was a lot of penalties that helped the Broncos. And and again, some over-pursuit was what I saw a lot. Uh, Simmons had a few times, he was over-pursuing a few times and then just got right into the wall. Um, that's what leads to those big runs when you don't have a safety back there to stop them early on, especially. So uh, 
was was in, impressed with how they answered with some halftime adjustments. And I think that's one thing that we all can be a little bit happy with is that for for all the teams for excuse me, for all the the units, um, the Broncos seem to do great halftime adjustments. Uh, so disappointed in the defense at the same time, happy with the end result and how they were they they bounced back after some disappointment. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. One on one tackling just seemed to be seemed to be the bane of their existence there for at least for a little while. Yeah, when it came to tackling, it just felt like they were doing a lot of arm tackles, not getting you know not getting their body in position, squaring up, getting to the the ball carrier. You know, if you're making arm tackles with some of these bigger guys, Shad Penny's a you know a strong you know kind of bowling ball similar to Javante Williams. You can't just put your arm out there and hope that, you know, you can wrap them up and no, you have to get a hit on them as well. Have to make them unbalanced. Uh, and I just didn't see the, the Broncos defense making players uncomfortable and unbalanced. So they would fall over. They were getting those extra few yards uh, that they shouldn't have. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I'd agree with that doc. How'd you feel about the defense uh, overall? Yeah, that was tail two halves. I do think the one good thing was the goal line stand. Uh, from the defense, I think that that showed yeah. that showed something, which is because uh, I would agree with you. It looked, you know, Rashad Penny, who I think is a good player. It's not like he's a he was a first round pick for a reason, right? Um, not a reason I would have picked, but you know, <laughs> he was a early draft pick for a reason. And that said, they definitely were out of assignment quite a few times. You wonder how much of that is, you know, not having Josie there. How much is not, you know, having the quarterback of your front seven really making sure that guys are lined up where they're supposed to be? Um, are they in the right gaps along with? Because I think that has a lot to do with your ability to be able to tackle in space. If you're in the right space, maybe you, you know, the area that you're covering or what you can expect, um, your engagement with the offensive lineman, et cetera, is different if you make some more plays. So maybe that has something to do with it. Um, I think that they, um, they did a really good job adjusting. So I was really impressed with the second half defense. I think if I recall, or maybe there's a, um, maybe that I think there's a, a tweet out there, maybe from like Zach Stevens from DNVR. I think maybe they had like 17 yards of total offense in the second half. If I recall the, the Seahawks did. I mean, it, it a ton of it is about adjustments. I think that's a really good sign for defensively. I think I really liked, especially kind of as the the game wore on, what Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregor were able to do. I thought the pressures picked up. It was kind of actually right after that angry text, if I do recall. I think Bradley Chubb got a sack immediately after you said, where the heck's the pressure in some colorful language. Uh, you know, Randy Gregory was able to to come up with a, you know, a big turnover, which... yeah. Um, you know, I think just goes to show a little bit. One thing that I think is interesting, and normally I don't, I don't really like to point or poke at players. And I don't know if I would call it that. I was kind of waiting for Draymond to have like to just own dudes and this capability and his um, his talent are there. And I don't know if it's just a continued slow starter. I was kind of hoping maybe this would be the year that that isn't the case, but. Uh, Interior-wise, I thought DJ Jones played okay. Um, but I think that that's where that to me was kind of where I was left wanting a bit. Um, yeah. 
I really didn't see I really didn't see those guys dominate inside like I think that they should have. I think there was a clear there was a you know a clear separation in talent in my opinion on the interior off the defensive line. Um, Deshaun Williams was that was a little rough. Um, so I just I wasn't a fan of that, and I think that to me had a lot to do with a lot of it. I thought Pat Sertan was uh, was tremendous outside. You know, uh, DK Metcalf when he, when he had like six catches for. 35 yards or something yeah yeah like he's getting yeah he's getting uh his running back averages that ronald darby played pretty okay um you know those are two really good receivers um so i think that that was uh a beneficial really you know the the second half the team looked dominant it looked like they figured it out they, they ironed out some of their gap coverages their gap schemes uh the coverage looked tighter the pressure looked a little bit better their run defense stiffened up a bit um so hopefully you think that they can utilize that and move into week two. I don't know why they wouldn't be able to. Um, so that part was positive. Some cl- things to clean up. You know, it's the it's the first game. Whether you got preseason reps or you don't, being in that environment, Monday night, the the rust story, all that stuff. I think that that probably just added a bunch of pressure on on everyone, and maybe that had a lot to do with that. And without Josie there, I think that was an aspect that this team was missing more than maybe we anticipated they would. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'm I'm worried about. I, I mean, maybe I shouldn't be, but what what do you think about our inability to get pressure up the middle? Because I feel like that could be something that haunts this team moving forward, John. Yeah, I I think I was a little bit uh, confused with that, just because I remember Evero saying he'll bring pressure. You know, how many guys it will take. You know, uh, you know, if it takes five, six guys, he'll he'll bring it. And we just really didn't see that kind of pressure brought on to Geno Smith. Smith, And I felt like with uh, some pressure, Smith would have made some mistakes, had some balls start to sail on him, could have been uh, opportune times for some turnovers or to get those sacks. Um, so I was a little bit surprised that it was a little bit less exotic, a little bit more straight up kind of thing going uh, going after, you know, uh, going after the line with just a few guys. And uh, it, it felt a little bit kind of normal it felt base at least in my mind mm-hmm. um so you know i was surprised with the lack of uh aggressiveness uh that's just what i was expecting from evero but at the same time you know they weren't giving up those big plays in in response to it and uh stopping a lot of those uh first down plays uh leading to some some punts so you can't you know really argue with the results uh when the second half but at the same time like when you saw those sacks come in took them out of field goal range it, it completely changed how the Seahawks were going to attack their their drive uh you know it became a punting situation instead of a field goal a few times so uh, again I, I I think a more a little bit more aggressiveness from Evero could lead to some success yeah and th- as much as I'm happy to see Chubb get two sacks, no one else recorded anything. And so that makes me a little worried about this rotational group too, uh, from a pressure standpoint. Um, let's delve quick into special teams. Cause I think that that was a low light for the Broncos yesterday. Uh, you know, I'm not going to put too much on McManus missing that last field goal. That's a, a low percentage, uh, field goal, but even their, their, their coverage was okay. Uh, the coverage of kicking coverage was okay. I'll say okay. Uh, it definitely wasn't anything special. And then uh, the return game was non-existent, or if I mean, or worse. So, I mean, we're talking about three phases of the game. Special teams, we don't probably don't need to spend that much time on it. 
but it's worth mentioning that this was a unit that has been a weak point for the Broncos for years now. Uh, and yesterday didn't assuage any of those fears. Yeah, for me, uh, I, I really felt like this uh, special teams was where it's at uh, similar to last year. I, I thought they, you know, when you kick the ball off and the team is taking it out, getting to the 30 instead of taking it at the 25, that to me is, you know, five yards too much. You should always at least have them stop at the 25 or, or fewer. Um, when it came to kick returns, the, the Broncos were consistently starting at the, you know, the 20, uh, which wasn't, you know, again, start at least at the 25. Uh, so for me, the special teams didn't take a, a jump in any way significantly for me. I know we focused, uh, the Broncos did at least focused heavily on getting that special teams unit better. But at the same time, if we're having, you know, guys dedicated to that position, to those positions in, in your Tyree Cleveland's, I want to see him make these plays. I want to see these guys make plays in the fact, you know, and again, this isn't even considering McManus and his field goal. That That's a completely different story. I'm talking about right. the coverages and the returns. And I felt like they were subpar. Uh, and that's and again, the Broncos worked so hard on that in the offseason. How can you have players dedicated to those positions and they're on your roster over somebody who can play maybe a skill position who couldn't be on special teams? Uh, you have to make those plays and you have to make them immediately uh, w- without a doubt. So for me, huge, huge uh, mental mistakes. Huge, just it, it just did not work for me, the special teams unit. Um, and I'm, I'm very interested to see how they bounce back. And, and if not, I'm ready to, you know, ship off, move on from some of these special teams guys. And let's bring in some guys who can make some offensive plays and, and who can play a little bit of special teams because I can't stand a guy who's only one facet of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Doc, any concern there for you? Dang, John, come with the heat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I, it wasn't, it wasn't good. Um, I think especially the kick coverage. Yeah. Um, so the average 25.7 yards of return. So not as bad as McMahon's group because one didn't go to the house. Um, but definitely not not what you're hoping for. I thought the one Waitman punt, isn't it kind of interesting? The Broncos only scored 16 points and they punted one time. Yeah. And uh, they, they pinned it with inside the 20 or is fair caught with inside the 20. Um, so hard to, to give that much of a, a negative group, but I would say, yep. Kickoff wise one, why they're kicking it short. Like why is McManus not just putting that thing through the house? I don't, I don't know. Like still why you want, why, why you wouldn't risk it. Same as like John talking about the, uh, you know, if it's two yards deep, might not just eat it. Right. Um, and maybe give them, give your guy a chance or two to, you know, a chance a game. But the, on a consistent basis, I think you got to kind of know, you know, if, if you if you're Washington and you bring a kick out and you get tackled by four dudes at the 13 or what have you, maybe let's kneel it next time and then let's regroup and uh, go back to the film. <laughs> go back to the film. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Not a great outing. It, it didn't cost them necessarily points. I don't think at least there wasn't any direct correlation, in my opinion. Um but it's one of those things where you we've seen it where that group will, we saw it with with the Packers right in the playoffs where that group costs you it costs you a game costs you a playoff win and you can't really have that the defense I think 
played well enough to win as they kind of bowed up a little bit. Offense, I think, minus the turnovers, played really well. You don't really want your your third phase to be the phase that costs you wins. So a lot to, to get better there, and especially when you draft players and you bring in you know young players to be able to contribute on that side of the ball. And, uh, and they're not routinely in the right position. That's something that is worrisome. Thank goodness it's week one, not week eight. Yeah. We're still yep. talking about this into you know a month into the season, and I'll definitely uh, I'll definitely have some stronger feelings. Yeah, I feel you there. Um, I want to do a quick to kind of cap us off. I want one one negative and one positive from both of you. Maybe your lowlights and your highlights. Uh, they can be obvious. They can be a group. They can be a certain play or plays. They can be a player, uh, player performance. Anything you want. Um, I think that, you know, I think there was both. I think there was both. It wasn't one of those games where you feel great about everything uh, by far because you lost the game. And it wasn't one of those games that were completely doom and gloom either. So, uh, Doc, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, I'm going to go with Nathaniel Hackett for both of them. Okay, all right. I, I really liked my highlight is, again, the offensive scheme and play calling to me was – it was great. I was – uh I remembered why I love this, the style of football, the offensive um, concepts were tremendous. I just, I I thought that he did a really good job game planning. It looked, it looked like a grown up. Like, I don't know, maybe if it's just the, the harm and pain that Pat Shermer caused us all, but, um, but it was just, that was a nice rebuttal. My, my negative is, you know, the one that makes the rounds all over the place. I think the end of the game drive management was um, was poor. I, I'm someone that just I want to be aggressive a little bit. I would I would rather err on the side of giving them too much time than not getting what I wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to be able to get a makeable field goal, a makeable opportunity that you feel good about over giving them too much time. And I think that the focus was too much on milk and the clock, you know, not giving them much time when they haven't really been productive that whole second half. So that to me, I think there was an error. And then obviously kind of the last 20 seconds in playing for a 64 yard field goal. I think that's too much way in and on some analytics and, and not let Russ do what Russ did. I mean, Russ had been performing really well. He had a, Get a hot hand for the most part, you know, let the guy go get you five yards. That to me is the, you know, the crux of it. It was the good and the bad, which, uh, you know, I think that the clock management will get better as you get more experience. You know, you don't want to learn a lesson like that again. And then on the other side, you know, I, I think his play calling will continue to get better. That was the first time with this offense with, um, with Russ as the quarterback. So I, I'm excited to see where that goes. Yeah. I like that. I like those points. So they're both, uh, very salient points. John, give me a plus and a minus. So this was uh, a little bit harder for me to actually think about. Um, for plus, I have to go with the defensive back group in general. I think, yeah. uh, you know, Quan Williams, I thought he did a, a serviceable job when, he, you know, we didn't hear his name a lot, which is a good thing. Um, sure. We didn't hear his name a lot. Uh, similar with Darby, you know, we didn't hear his name called up too much. He did have a you know, few plays here and there, but uh, you know, Darby, I felt was pretty good. And of course, Sertan, I think everybody was very impressed with what his ability was. Again, as you spoke to earlier, 
Obviously, Metcalf had six receptions, but to keep it under 40 yards is very impressive. So you know that once he caught the ball, he was being wrapped up. He was he was on, he was on top of Metcalf. So those balls, you know, a, a different placement, a little here and there. Those can be deflected passes. Those can turn to interceptions. Uh, so down the line, I'm very looking forward to what Sertan's going to do. Um, for my disappointment, I think I'd have to go with the offensive line and handling some simple stunts. Some simple stunts the Broncos kind of just let get get in their way. Um, you know, you have to make those calls uh, when you're offensive line that you're, hey, there's a stunt coming, moving on, and and you pass off your block and and you get your your guard into a better angle to handle that block, and then from there you're in position in the A gap. Um, you know, a lot of that I saw. I, I felt like I saw a lot of issues with gap protection when it came to the offensive line yeah what about you jt i like those as well i um i'm torn i'm torn on a uh i got quite a few little little mostly negative things about bumping around my head um i'll I'll start with my negative and i think my negative is gonna go to just the run defense overall and I think the the defensive line and, the, and especially the interior linebackers, uh, they just didn't do a good job. They didn't do a good job containing uh, Rashad Penny. Uh, Penny looked great. I mean, they made sure that he looked great, unfortunately. Uh, I expected more from DJ Jones uh, in, in game one. He was one that uh, I think was a little bit of a letdown, though, you know, it's one game. I'll, I'll give him benefit of the doubt. Um Obviously, I think we all feel like Alex Singleton is probably not the answer, you know, as a backup. It's it's hard, you know, it's hard to come in and play the starting role, though. It's something that he's somewhat accustomed to. So I expected him to be a, at least a little more sound than he was. I think there were just some some negatives overall um, with that. So I want to see improvement there. I want to see improvement. Um, and I think we will. I think we will. I just think this team needs a little more time to to gel. This group needs to, more time to gel. And I think when they get on home turf, it'll feel a little more comfortable for them, for sure. So uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, my positive, I'm going to give to Bradley Chubb. Um, you know, I wasn't a big fan of the pressure that the Broncos brought for the most part all the game. Uh, he's the only player who registered a sack, and he got two. He uh, created a turnover, and uh, I think he deserves some props for that as a player that's probably needs to put up some numbers in order to to find a contract later, either with this team or another team. Uh, I want to give him some props, and so I'm going to highlight Chubb as as one of the positives for this group. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot, Doc, because I think on this Tuesday – we need a we need a pep talk. Broncos country needs a, a bit of a pep talk. I think there's a good amount of people that are okay. They feel mm-hmm. okay. They feel like this is going to happen. They're like we're gonna we're gonna bounce back. But there's a group of people that are ready to burn the stadium to the ground. So give those people some hope. Well, as uh, as the Broncos Twitter account said. Check my mentions, which is <laughs> overreaction Monday. Uh, first, you know, in 2020, Tom Brady went from his familiar campgrounds in New England and Foxborough, moved down south, to a team that had 
seven wins that a lot of young talent didn't really know how to win. First game, they got blown out. What did they do for the rest of the season? They rebounded and won the Super Bowl. So, history might suggest. Uh, I would also recall, I do believe that the Rams also lost their first game last year with a brand-new quarterback who had played his entire career in Detroit. What did they do? Came back on the Super Bowl. So, I don't want to say that the Broncos will win the Super Bowl, but I don't want to say that they won't. Um, there's a lot of really good stuff. A lot of those things I think are, are correctable. I don't think there'll be many games where you cough up the ball inside the three twice in one game, coupled with 12 penalties, you know, a false start on your wide receiver at the three yard line. I mean, things like that, that I think we're all, you know, we're, we're all symptoms of, a we're all, you know, issues that occurred at one time. That probably won't ever again, and they still had an opportunity to win the game. I mean, that to me should be really positive. Russ Wilson looks like the deal. Albrook Wigmunam looks like a better version of Noah Fant. Jerry mm-hmm. Judy is back. The guy had over 100 yards and a touchdown. Both of those the first time since 2019, or no, sorry, 2020. Um, you know, he looked he looked confident and back. Pat Sutan is a building block piece at one of the most important positions, and your edges. Both performed relatively well, you know, and and had some really nice moments. So there's a lot of really good stuff. They will all go out the window if they can't perform and bring it back to you know back to reality on Sunday. But you know, no, it uh, there were a lot of teams, really good teams that lost this week, and a lot of those teams will probably win their division. And uh, I don't think it's I think it's too soon for us to worry. Uh, so there's a lot of really good stuff. A lot of really exciting stuff. Get over it. You know, the loss stinks. There are 16 more. They weren't going to go 17-0 and like I had originally predicted. Uh, but you know what? They still could go 16-1 and until they don't, you know? Yes. I Thank you. We needed that. Some of us needed that more than others. And we were able to provide that for them because of you. So thank you. Uh, I think we close here. So thank you, everyone. We appreciate your time. Uh, as always, you can reach out to us if you want to talk football, talk beer, or just say, hey, we always appreciate some uh, interaction. So that's at orange underscore and underscore brew on Twitter and Instagram. You can uh, get us to respond to your questions, uh, to your comments. If you just want to, you know, throw a beer suggestion our way, we're, we're always down to take those. Uh, otherwise, thanks just so much for listening per usual. Uh, Be safe out there. Be kind to one another and go Broncos. Yeah, go Broncos. Let's go, baby. Yeah.